Welcome to BitFriends Podcast. This is Living Life and Love with your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. BitFriends is a national vitiligo support community founded by Valerie Molyneux. For more information about BitFriends, vitiligo, support communities, and how you can get involved, visit www.bitfriends.org or you can call at 844-374-3639. BitFriends Podcasts are sponsored by My Vitiligo Team. Welcome to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. So on today's show, I have a very special guest. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, thank you for having me. Welcome to the show. Hey, do me a favor uh, and do all of us a favor. Officially introduce yourself. Tell us where you're from and maybe what type of work you do or something else you would like for them to know. Absolutely. Um, so again, my name is Melissa. Um, I currently reside in Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, I work as a training manager for a um, global nonprofit that has a hub here in Durham, North Carolina. Awesome. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you for being on the show and welcome you to North Carolina, to our group, to Durham, all this, although I think you've been here for quite some time, but still welcome. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to have a little fun with this conversation, Um, but let's start. Let's talk about um, with anybody in our community and not just talking about vitiligo, but our global community, we all have a story to tell. We all have um, something about about us that makes us so unique and makes our story so unique. Um, can you share maybe your childhood, starting off there and then developing vitiligo? Yeah, so <clears throat> I what was brought up um, with divorced parents from as far back as I can remember. They divorced when I was two um, and both remarried shortly after. Um, so I always, you know, whenever I'm talking to my friends and I'll be like my parents, they'll be like, which ones? Because there are so many. (laughs) Um, and I, you know, I'm definitely grateful in that regard. I have some amazing family, but my childhood was very, very difficult. Um, it was, it was a difficult upbringing. Um, there were lots of challenges. There was fat shaming, um, you know, during my childhood and into my teens. And it made it very difficult because I'm from Vermont. And as some of you may know, Vermont, one, has more cows than people. Mm, But two, most of those people are white. Um, There's very few people of color. There's a lot more now. But I was one of three people of color in my entire school. Wow. Um, And so it's one brown little speck. And not just one brown little speck, but a thick brown speck. Because I wasn't teeny, you know, like right. the, the Caucasian individuals that were hadn't hit puberty yet and were super skinny. Right. Um, and so I, I stuck out in regards to that. So stuck out because I was brown. <clears throat> stuck out because I was thicker. And then when I was eight, I started getting those white patches on my knees. Those dreaded white patches right, right. is what I called them in the beginning. Um and they slowly started to spread. So we went to the dermatologist and he diagnosed me with vitiligo. And when I say it was the worst experience of my life, there was no bedside manner. Right. There right. was no empathy. There was no compassion. There was no explanation. There was nothing. It it was cold and and nonchalant. And when when you are trying to figure out 
your place in in your own body and then your body starts to change and you feel like it's turning on you that's a lot um and then when you throw in you know the hormones that you're starting to develop ages eight nine ten it's a lot to manage um so (laughs) i actually never went back to the dermatologist again until i was 19. Because I was so fearful and it traumatized me so much that I just wanted nothing to do with it. Right. I understand that. Um, yeah. And it was hard growing up. Um, you know, it, they started to spread. Um, you know, at least it kind of like is like math. I like to call my my vitiligo like math, like where you, what you do to one side, you do to the other. Right. So, absolutely. So I have non-segmented <laughs> vitiligo. So literally whatever's on one side of my body, the markings are pretty much the same on the other side. Um, so at least I'm even. I'm a right. Libra, so I like balance. <laughs> so that'll work. Um, <clears throat> but I, you know, I, I stuck out. And at first I tried to hide. Right, right. And I covered with makeup. Um, and even though my parents were struggling to make ends meet, my mom found a way to pay for that makeup every month. So at least I could cover my face and right. feel like I could somewhat blend in. And then I started realizing how much wear and tear that was putting on our family financially. Along with the fact that even though I could cover my face, it doesn't mean I could cover any other part of me and they weren't going anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that, and so that's I decided the, to start to embrace that. Right. That's the thing about vitiligo. We can cover our faces, but the rest of your body, it's it's there, you know, and I mean, you can cover your whole body with clothes, but after a while, you know, it's like, well, it's the summertime, it's hundred exactly. degrees, like how much more do I want to put on and I'm going to burn up and sweat if I do, you know, and that's no way to live. Right. Um, and you know, I, that's existing to me and I, I don't ever want to exist. I always want to live. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was something yep. you said about your uh, initial experience with the dermatologist. And if mm-hmm. you talk to a lot of people in our community, um, in particular here in North Carolina, there is a dermatologist here. I'm not going to tell you the dermatologist's name or location, but if you ever go to this person, you will have a horrible experience no matter what. Every person I talk to, um, you go in, <coughs> you sit down, you're in the waiting room forever. They come in, they'll sit down across from you, not even close, just across, just enough to look at you and say, I'll be right back. This person will come back in and say, this is what you have. Here's a pamphlet. Here's a prescription for whatever they're going to give you. I had the cream, which was lotion, pretty much didn't do anything for me. Um, And that was it. It was no, here's what you can expect. Um, This is exactly what it is, you know. I did get a second opinion from a different doctor. And this second opinion, this doctor came in and he talked to me. I was your self-esteem, blah, blah, blah. This is what it is. This is what could happen. Um, I I can give you the cream, but it's not guaranteed to work because it's really guaranteed to work better on the face. But my vitiligo was on my hands, feet, everywhere else. And mm-hmm. so it was worthless for me, but it was good to get a second opinion. Um, Absolutely. I don't, did you ever after let's say in adulthood go back to get a second or third opinion so i never went back to get another opinion mm-hmm. i did go back because i had read and done some articles um i started off as a biology major okay so i started reading a lot of articles on um you know vitiligo um and realized that at that time there was a new drug called protopic mm-hmm. 
Yes. And it was that ointment. <clears throat> so yes. I was like, oh, well, some people say they have really good results. Let me go ahead and try. Um, so at 19, I went on it and I was on it for about six months and I had like the little brown dots and some of them would connect together and I'd be like, mm. it's happening. And then they would like vanish. And I'm like, right, really? right. <laughs> really? And it was so expensive as a college student. And I just right. put it, all those medications were so expensive. Right. And, and even now, um, you know, they have Opsilor approved for vitiligo. However, some people are finding out their insurance companies do not want to cover it. Some right. people have found some loopholes to get it for free, but it's still a struggle within the community. You know, some will get it, some can't. Um, and I think part of the challenge is that people can't afford it. Yeah. So you have to think, you know, at some point, and we're going to get back to your story, but we're going to think at some point, do I live my life with my vitiligo or do I continue to try to find a miracle treatment? Because let's be real, it's a treatment. It's not a cure, you know. And it's a treatment that you got to use the rest of your life. You know, you have to decide. So that, that's, yeah, that's the biggest challenge. Um, when, here, here's my question, because we know with vitiligo, it impacts us in so many different ways. Um, emotionally is probably the biggest challenge. Um, no, the biggest impact. And I say biggest challenge because you have to figure out how to tackle your feelings, emotions, and you're trying to. Look at yourself, you're changing. Like you said, you were watching yourself change in many different ways. And then here comes Vitiligo. Hey, I'm here. You know, how was yep. that on you as a child? And then talk about even as a teenager. Yeah, I mean, it was in the beginning as a child, I was able to hide it. So, you know, it was mm -hmm. just wearing pants and, you know, covering my knees. And, you know, first it was long shorts and then it was right. pants. And then it was like long sleeve shirts. And then before I knew it, I was like, um... <laughs> what else am I supposed to use? Right. <clears throat> so it made it really tricky. Um, and, you know, that's kind of when we started with the makeup route. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I hit those teenage years, I was just kind of like, this is, this is just, I stuck out just as much being a person of color right. as I did for with someone who had vitiligo. Wow. wow. Because even in high school, those same two individuals of that color, we just followed each other. And it was still just the three of us. Wow. All through middle school and high school. Um, so after a while, I just started living in my truth. Yeah. Question. Um, you know, high school is an interesting time of year for a lot of us. And that's when you start truly getting your crushes and dating and all that. How was that experience? in high school, like trying to date or finding somebody you like, and they know you have vitiligo, like, what was It was like? a challenge. It was hard. Yeah. And I don't know if it was because I was plus size. I don't know if it was because I had vitiligo. I don't know if it was because I was brown. Like, I don't know, but I attributed it to my vitiligo. Right. I don't know why I went to that automatic place. Um, but it was, I was that awkward turtle that didn't have their kiss until they were 15. Right, right. Um, you know, but then because I had so much low self-esteem and self-worth because of the vitiligo and the mistreatment that I experienced, I also lost my virginity when I was 15 gotcha. because I wanted people to accept me so badly and love right. me so badly that when I found someone, I wanted to hold on to them, right. even though it was an unhealthy situation. 
And, and you know, I, I think a lot of us get into unhealthy relationships, um, in particular with our community, with vitiligo. Yeah. Um, and, and let me say this, I know a lot of us have other issues and challenges beyond vitiligo, things we deal with. But I, I think once we see our outer shell start to change, we try to find something or someone that we can latch on to, whether it's healthy or not, um, to give us that self-worth. And I know yeah. a lot of times we hear, oh, you got to love yourself. You know, I get it. We do. But as a human who wants human interaction, yeah. you get that attention. Most times we're going to take it, whether it's healthy mm -hmm. or unhealthy, until we realize I don't need this. I don't need this person because it's not good for me. Because mm -hmm. we know with vitiligo, if you get into a stressful situation, guess what? More spots or bigger yep. spots, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's what people don't get. Right. And I'll tell people that. I'll be like, when I'm super stressed, I'm going to get more white spots. It's right. going to go. But then in addition, when I get more stressed, I notice that my immune system all altogether tanks. Right, right. And I've been told that it could be, there could be a correlation between vitiligo, you know, and my immune system causing that to happen. So. And that stress. Yeah. Um, Cause even I think about it at school, I try my best not to stress at all. I try not to deal with, I say try. Cause I work with young kids and it is chaotic almost every day. But like today I just put on ease on down the road. I said, I need something that's going to help me get through mm -hmm. this moment. And I just started dancing and being silly. And <laughs> I said, you know, I'm not going to allow stress to take me out. Yeah. Um, and I do notice when I get stressed, I get more, I don't get bigger spots. Sometimes they'll connect, but I get all these little tiny vitiligo spots pop up. And I'm like, what is this? And it really started at the height of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I noticed it. I didn't notice it before. And I was like, wait a minute. Why do I look like I have connected dots on my legs? And, you know, yes. Yes. Yeah. and I'm like, and that's where it is. It's really on my legs. I got a few more spots um, on my arms, but vitiligo is weird in itself because it's going to do what it wants to do when it wants to do it. I don't care how much cream, I don't care how much of the light box therapy you get. Your vitiligo is going to do what it wants to do and when mm -hmm. it wants to do it. Yep. And I think that's the, the mystery of it. Like we haven't figured out vitiligo, you know, I think they could track it, but you can't. Um, one day is here. It could be gone the next day for somebody, or you can have a bigger spot that wasn't there overnight. It, it's mm -hmm. just, it's weird. And then you have some people that turn completely white, you know, Absolutely. they lose all of their pigment and not right. through the depigmentation process, but just, just because natural. that's what their body does. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I say my vitiligo is weird because I've had it um, for about 25 plus years, but it's slow moving. Like on my face, definitely. It's like when you see me on camera, it's like, oh, That's he doesn't crazy. have vitiligo. And yeah. then I'm like, yeah, I do, you know. <laughs> and it's, it's shocking for some people because I've had people say on my Facebook page, like, you don't have vitiligo. I do. However, I think when it comes to our larger community, um, we have to educate us each other that vitiligo is not just on the face you can have it on your armpit and that's it and that's vitiligo yeah. or ankles yeah it yep. could just be your hair absolutely um and that's just the mystery of it like mm -hmm. you could put 20 people in the same room and we all look different it's weird it is. um now let's let's move forward let's go into your young adult life um and i know you've mentioned before you've had some um 
some life altering challenges. Um, would you be able to share some of that with us and just talk about um, if vitiligo was a part of, or was it just life in general? I, I honestly would say that because of the self-esteem and self-worth issues stemming from having vitiligo, um, it ended up causing a lot of issues um, with my, you know, my self-esteem to the point where I became bulimic and anorexic. Um, And then once I finally managed to get that under control, then I went to the opposite end of the spectrum and I had an overeating disorder. Um, so, you know, when they say like you have an eating disorder, like you literally always have it. It's like alcoholism. Like once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. Um, you know, and it's, it's a battle and a struggle even to this day. Um, but you know, it, it, when I started to have, you know, I have an amazing friend, her name is Sarah. Um, and she's the one who saw me losing the weight. She's the one that saw me becoming unhealthy. Um, and she was the one that helped me get out of that. Good. Um, and we're still friends. God, since we were 10 years old, we've been friends. Oh, wow. So 30 years, um, I call her my sissy. And uh, I'll always say that she saved me. Wow. Um, I will always say it wasn't my parents. It, it was her. She saved me. Um, and then after when I started going through college and stressful situations there, um, got into a really abusive relationship. Um, I honestly, if I didn't have my children, if I didn't hadn't have gotten pregnant with my children, I don't know if I would be alive today. That's that's to the extent of the relationship. And um that that made me a fighter without realizing that it made me a fighter. Right, right. And it made me feel like I had to fight for everything. So like my entire adulthood, I have felt like I had to fight to be seen, to be heard, all of the things. Right. And I'm just now realizing at 40 years old um, that fighting is exhausting. It is. Yes. And that picking your battles is important. So you have the energy that you need to really put into those battles, but that you don't have to die on every mountain. Right. Absolutely. You know, something you just said um, is important to be seen. Um, with vitiligo, and we're going to come back to your your story. With vitiligo, though, we we have this battle with, I don't want to be seen because I don't want to stand out, so I hide. But then it's like, I want to be seen because I'm a human being, I'm a person, and I want you to see who I am as a person. But yet we stand out so much that it's like you got to try to figure out what part of me are you looking at? Are you looking mm-hmm. at my skin? Mm-hmm. Are you looking at who I am as a person? Or just because I, I walk in a room and you go, oh, wow, that person is mm-hmm. different. You know, it, it, it's all those questions we have. And it's interesting because I, you know, I work with kids and they always say, oh, I like your skin. That's great. But like me. Don't focus on my skin, but I know what they're trying to do because we talk about affirming people often and they're trying to make me feel good about my skin. But I'm like, I'm, I, already, I already feel good about my skin. You know, I'm OK. I'm in a good place now. A couple of years ago, maybe 2018, 2017, eh, I had some issues. Mm-hmm. Now, going backwards, uh, going back into your story, um, 
a lot of times, you know, when we have our vitiligo, vitiligo conversations, we do talk about what vitiligo has done to us. Yes, it's the self-esteem, it's uh, the insecurities and all that. But I also feel like vitiligo enhances what was already there. I was always a slim guy. Um, didn't like it, got picked, you know, my brothers would pick on me. And then in college, I would hear, oh, I would date you, but you're too skinny and blah, blah, blah. But then when vitiligo comes along, it enhances all those in, those imperfections you see. Because mm-hmm. now, you know, you stand out. But then now you really see yourself standing out for whatever that you don't like about yourself. Um, how did you get past that? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of went full throttle. I decided to stop caring so much. I got tired of waking up trying to please. So my friend Katie asked me to join or to try out for the varsity cheerleading squad. I was like, okay, I did. And we made it. I, I did not enjoy it. But I did it and we made it. Um, And then I found theater. Oh, cool. And getting up there and finding my voice, realizing that I had a voice. I didn't even I didn't even know because I stayed so tucked away and hidden. Right. right. That no one heard me sing because I didn't want to be heard because I didn't want to stand out. Right. Um, And started performing. And then I knew people were staring at me because I was performing. Mm hmm. And it wasn't about my vitiligo in that moment. I could completely remove vitiligo from my life when I was on stage because it was about the performance. And I expected people to stare at me. And it was the most empowering experience. Um, Then I ended up getting a music director who told me my voice wasn't classically trained enough. Oh, great. (laughs) And then wouldn't give me solos. And then my self-esteem tanked right back down again. right. So it's, you know, it's like when you finally find that excitement in that, and then all of a sudden something drives you back down, but because you have vitiligo and you already feel like you're on that edge of teetering between being okay and not okay, it just takes that one thing to just knock you over again. Absolutely. And let me say this, relationships can do that to you. Absolutely. Oh, man. (laughs) I mean, I, I just recall, you know, being in a relationship and she didn't understand the challenges that come with vitiligo, you know, the insecurities. And I used to wear these really big sweaters to try to hide my hands and all that stuff. And why won't you wear shorts? And why don't you, da, 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 all these, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you? And then she would say like, it doesn't bother me. Of course not. It's not your skin. You don't have to live in it. I have to live Thank with you. it. I have to go into a society knowing I look different. You know, I say you, she was, um, how can I put this in a nice way? Um, she, she, she would get attention for different reasons. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Put it that way and put it in a nice way. She would get attention for different reasons, but I would get attention because of, and you hear, oh, look at his hands, look at his legs. Look, you know, if I wore shorts, so I, I didn't wear shorts anymore, but she didn't get it. She didn't understand it. And I do think it takes a person that has a lot of empathy and open-minded, you know, very, very open-mindedness um, to really understand what it's like for us on our journey to be out here in the public, to do things in public, knowing that people are going to stare and whisper. And I often tell people, your whispers are really loud. 
we can hear them, you know? Yeah, Very we loud. absolutely yeah. can. Um, <laughs> and it, it is, and, and I guess with the podcast and anything we do with advocacy work, I really want the general public to understand these things about us, you know? Yes. Like, it can be hard for somebody just to go to the grocery store and back without feeling like an outcast. Yes. You know, going to work and performing whatever job you're doing at work and not feel like an outcast. Um, even though people can love you and support you and, and show you still have that that feeling, you know. Yeah. Um, even at work now, you know, I recognize I have my vitiligo. I don't think about it because when a child is in crisis, I'm not going, oh, I've got to hide my hands. That child is going to look at my hands. I don't care at that point, whatever. But I have connected a lot with the kids because they'll say, my dad has that same thing or a cousin has or my aunt has. And and, and it's great that they can connect with me. Um, the kids are different. And I'm going to put it this way. Kids, yes, they're going to ask questions. They're curious. But I feel like we can teach them. This generation of students, they're open to loving everybody. You just have to teach them. This generation of students, yes. Yeah. Our generation, no, of students no. And our generation awful. of young adults and older adults, and we were cruel to each other. Um, yes. And I, and I, I, I'm gonna be honest. I was one when Michael Jackson had his vitiligo, and you know, we were like, oh, he was turning white and he bleached his skin. I was a part of that whole crew of, you know, oh, he looks like Skeletor, ha ha ha. You know, mm -hmm. until I recognized I knew somebody with vitiligo. I didn't have it then, but this person had vitiligo. It still has it. But uh, first person knew it, vitiligo, still didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was until after I was diagnosed with it. And then I'm like, oh, crap, I'm changing, you know. Um, yeah. But going back to those relationships, how did, I know, I know you said you went to a very challenging one. Did that impact your vitiligo did it make it spread more or what what was absolutely. your absolutely yeah absolutely it definitely um exacerbated my vitiligo um it grew quite a bit in the three years that i was in that relationship mm. to be perfectly honest with you um and i created i you know i it caused a lot of other all the stress caused a lot of other health issues i had acute anemia you know there are lots of things that stress can do to you so oh, yes. my body was just done at that point <laughs> um yeah it went through a lot of wear and tear um yeah. but i can say that although that relationship there was that control and those words to kind of degrade me and bring me down any other relationship i had after that my vitiligo was never discussed it wasn't a thing there was always understanding Mm -hmm. Um, I, I didn't, I was lucky and fortunate enough because I know that's not always the case to have very understanding partners when it came to my vitiligo. Gotcha. Gotcha. The only thing that I think was very difficult for them to comprehend and remember is summertime. Mm, yes. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about summertime. Right. This is a thing. Like we, we are humans and we need our vitamin D but we can't do it like everyone else. Right, right. We, we just can't. And I have literally gotten second and third degree burns wow. from being in the sun too long because I just wanted to spend time with my family and friends 
And I, it, it was emotionally taxing. Like I could feel my body. I could feel my skin because I don't think people realize it's not just that we get sunburnt quickly. We feel heat more yes. intensely. We feel cold more intensely. Our body is more, it's more sensitive to those right. things. Um, even my eyes, I've noticed the older I, you know, the more it progressed, my eyes are more sensitive to light. Mm -hmm. Um, so then being out in the sun, all of those things, it's just, it's difficult to do those normal things. So sometimes we'll be out for an extended period of time, not my partner now, but like past partners. And I'll be like, okay, so I need to go in now. And they're like, we haven't even been out long. But meanwhile, like I'm starting to turn pink, Right. all the white spots on my face are starting to turn pink. And I'm like... No, but I'm telling you, like, I'm starting to get burnt. Well, we've only been out here 20 minutes. Right. I have no melanin. Like, right. there's nothing protecting me. And, and that's what people have to understand, you know. Um, and there's different levels to that within our community. Um, yeah. Like, I, I don't, typically I don't get burned, but I don't test that theory either. I, I'm not going to be outside too long. Um, I usually uh, run a camp over the summer. But guess who's in the shade? Me. Right. I'm not going to stand in the sun <laughs> to figure out, well, let me see if I'm going to burn. Because I, I don't want to take do that it. risk. No, no, don't I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to take that risk. Um, but it's just where education is so important. You know, when it comes to teaching people about us, our bodies, how we react to certain things, like you said, to the cold, to the heat, to whatever, you know, we can be a little more sensitive to certain things. Um mm-hmm. And that's what if people don't understand, they're not going to know. But we also have to educate them. And they have to listen, honestly. They have to listen. Um, let's talk about support. And then we have to remember. Y- yes. Yeah, it's not just about listening. And it's it's hearing. It's it's remembering right. and recalling that information later. Because Absolutely. you can say and acknowledge in the moment. Yeah, oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. But then I need you to actually remember when those things happen. And right. be Absolutely. mindful. That's not going to change. It's still going to be a problem. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about support real quick, because you mentioned you have a friend that was there for you, you know, as you are um, transitioning with your vitiligo. Um, that support is very important. And I know I've talked to people in our community. Some have great support systems, some not so much. And some of that is on us because we do isolate ourselves from certain mm-hmm. people. And yes. I'm, I'm guilty of that, too. And then you look around like, oh, there's nobody. Well, that's because I isolated myself. Um, how was your support system? Let's say from, you mentioned you had a childhood friend, but let's say adult. Let's talk about adulthood. How was your support system there? Just, you know, those days where you may look in the mirror and go, I'm comfortable, but eh, I see my vitiligo. You know, how do you get through those tough moments? Um. So I would say... Transitioning into adulthood um, and throughout adulthood, I would say I've always had supportive family, Um, always been uplifting, encouraging um, and validating when I felt a certain way. Right. It was that they would validate instead of just trying to tell me don't feel that way. You know, some of them actually would validate those feelings. You know, I can understand why that would feel that way. Right. You know what I mean? And just let that be what it is, Um, because when you're in the moment and you're feeling like you're singled out and you're standing out like a sore thumb, it doesn't matter what anyone tells you in that moment, your reality is your reality. And that's what you see and that's what you're experiencing. And that's your truth. 
So for anyone to tell you anything different is almost discrediting those feelings and minimizing them. Right. And that's not a good situation. Yeah. Not at all. And then you feel unseen and heard. And then that causes trauma and creates triggers. And nobody has time for that. So right. I think that's why validation and validating people's feelings are so important. I'm learning that now as an adult more than ever, right. um, you know, in my current relationship and, and what that looks like. So that validation piece is important. And like you said, when someone like when in other relationships, when you're saying, you know, I'm not comfortable with this, but well, but what, you know, right. I'm telling you that this is outside my comfort zone and I need you to respect that. Absolutely. And, you know, and I dealt with a lot of anxiety um, and I, I finally had a chance to explain to some of our friends from college because they just saw it as, oh, Mark didn't want to come around for homecoming or Mark didn't want to do this. No, it was the anxiety of looking different. Because yeah. for me, as an you know, having vitiligo as an adult was different because I went all through, you know, elementary, high school, you know, middle high school, college. I didn't have vitiligo. And then I graduate, and then here it is, boom. Now I'm starting to look different. And I didn't want people to see me as I'm get, you know, getting all these white spots. However, somebody did point it out one day. We were just sitting on the um went to visit on the campus with my fraternity brothers and we're sitting around and one of them said, I guess whoever you're dating, um, she must be stressing you out because you're turning white. Stop it. I said, okay. And I knew for me, that was the exit anytime. Cause I didn't want to confront that. Cause I didn't want to say, this is what I have. I have this condition. I just wanted to feel normal. I just wanted to feel like everybody else. And I'm like, hey, but I wasn't ready to, I wasn't at a point in my life where I can confront somebody and say, hey, this is what I have. This is what it is. I wasn't in a good place. Um, not until 2019. 2019, my whole life changed. And I talk about that on the podcast a lot. Um, just me taking ownership of, I have vitiligo. Yes. I'm going to live my life. Um, I can't live it for somebody else. You know, they're not going to have the same experiences I'm having with vitiligo. But I can't keep going, you know, not enjoying, you know, different uh, events and things because I'm afraid of people, afraid of what they're thinking. And mm-hmm. and it was funny. Um, they had the African-American Festival downtown and I went, I wore shorts, I wore sandals. I said, you know what? I'm just going to go. And then one of my buddies hit me up on Facebook. He's like, Mark, I see you on WRL. I'm like, what? They took a picture of, guess we were taking pictures of the young ladies in front of me, but who was right in the picture? Me. I'm like, in all your spotted glory. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? Okay. But that was something I had to do for myself. Yeah. You know, nobody else could do it for me. And and I still have my moments where I get my anxiety, like, no, I'm not Mm going to go. Too many people. But I'm, then I'm like, no, no, I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to go do this. Like, I'll go to a restaurant in a heartbeat now. And people don't understand it. Like, why do you go to a restaurant by yourself? Won't you bring somebody? No, this is what I have to do for me. I said, if it's packed, a lot of people in there, I'm going to push through. I'm going to go in there, order my food, and I'm going to sit down and eat like everybody else. Spots, no, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I have to do it for myself, you know. Um, and, and it's still challenging. You know, sometimes I'll get to the door like, okay, take a deep breath, walk in. You're just like everybody else there. If, wow. they, if somebody has an issue, they have the issue, not me. And that's what I have to do, you know. You you literally just, 
you literally like made my heart hurt because I, I didn't realize how lucky I've had it <laughs> that I've had that mentality for a very long time. When you experience having vitiligo and you don't know anyone else that has that, that has it and has experienced it, your experience is the only one you know, right? Right, right. And, you know, me going into a restaurant, I've been doing that since as far back as I can remember and not even really thinking about my spots. I would say all of my adulthood. Right. But then right. you're telling me up until just a few years ago, and you being an adult, that that was really, really challenging for you. Mm -hmm. and yeah. That just that, yeah. that made me wake up and realizing that I'm I'm a lot I'm free now, but I was free a lot before. Right, right, and and you know, and everybody has a different a different time frame when they they find that moment where they say, you know what, I'm gonna yes. love, and and it's hard, but you know, it was funny. I was in a relationship at that time, and I kept saying to her, something feels different. I didn't know what it was. I just knew something within me was stirring and i think part of it was needing that i've got to do things on my own i've got to step out and do things that i would not do i have to wear my shorts i have to go to the beach i have to do all these things and i didn't know when it was going to hit because she kept saying well when is it going to change mm -hmm. hmm, no you know i can't put a time frame but and and people that have listened to this podcast have heard the story before there was a little girl at a camp that kept calling me a butterfly you're a butterfly, you're a butterfly. And I was like, stop it, you know, stop calling me a butterfly. But I was sitting in the car one day and I was thinking, I'm like, a butterfly. Mm, that's a caterpillar. Yes, and people are afraid of caterpillars because they think caterpillars are ugly and some could be a little creepy and all this. But deep down inside that caterpillar knows there's beauty inside of it. And when it sprouts, everybody's going to be in awe. And I said, you know, we're the same way as people. It's not about the outside, it's what's in the inside. And you have to let that come out. And I started thinking, I said, I've got to change the way I view myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what it started. I had to see myself in a different light. And, you know, and I think we still have, I still have work to do. You know, I have my moments, so I'm great. Yes. Then I have my moments, so I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying in the house. I don't want to see people. I don't want, you know, and it's just, it's not even about vitiligo now. Sometimes it's just, I'm just tired, you know. Right. But, <laughs> you don't but, want people. You just right. don't want people that day. Absolutely. But we have to see the greatness inside of us. Um, mm -hmm. I know a lot of times we get stuck on the surface. We get stuck yes. on how people view us from the outside. But no, let your whatever is inside of you, let it shine. Long as it's positive. Don't let that bad stuff shine. Keep that fix that stuff. But mm -hmm. let your outwardness, you know, your your greatness come out. Let it shine for other people can see. And they can see past your spots. They can see past your vitiligo and let them see who you are as a person. That's what's important to me. Absolutely. And you say, you know, something was stirring inside you and you felt like something was shifting and changing. Yeah. I can tell you that a year ago, Mark, I promise you, I felt that same thing. I felt that same stir. Mm -hmm. There was something in my soul and my spirit. It was like, there's a shift happening. And I told my partner, I was like, there's a shift happening. I would tell my friends, there's something is changing. Something right, is stirring. Right. I don't know what it is. And then one day I decided that I was going to become an Instagram model to promote body positivity and empowerment. And that is 
skyrocketed exponentially and turned into all kinds of craziness I wasn't expecting, <laughs> but that's what was stirring. It right. was me right. taking to the next level of not only just showing spots are beautiful, but also normalizing it. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about that. That was yeah. my next thing to talk about. Let's talk about your modeling career, your Instagram page and all that. And and you just told me how it opened up, that it's stirring inside. But what was that first connection like when somebody said, hey, yeah, I'll do it. Or come on, be a part of this. What was that like? So I had been thinking about it for quite some time and mulling it over and figuring out how I would go about it. Um, and I was watching, I can't remember, there was a show one day and there was um, a girl of color and she was, it was dated back. She was watching the TV and she didn't see anyone like her. Right. And she couldn't self-identify. So she thought she was ugly. She was dark complected. She thought she was ugly. She couldn't, there was no movie stars. There was no one on TV that could show her and normalize what she looked like. And right. that was like, I'm done with this. I, I want the little people of the world, the little Melissa's out there to look and turn on the TV and in shows and movies and in books and in magazines and everywhere, billboards. You see people with vitiligo, without vitiligo, all different colors, nationalities, walks of life, sexual orientations, right. all coexisting together as humans. Absolutely. And that's what I'm trying to do. Um, so I just, um, there was a, I was interviewed for WebMD, um, and they interviewed me in regards to like living and thriving with vitiligo. Um, I have some magazines that I've been published in, um, and, and I'm really excited for now being a part of this journey with you, um, and, and all of the doors that it's going to open, open just to touch the different people and, maybe to help just one person maybe not feel so afraid absolutely and you know all it takes is one person yes you know a lot of times we get into this thing of numbers oh we've got to reach all no if you change one person's life you've done your job you know and and you don't know and i often say this with the podcast because this is a radio podcast i don't know whose life i'm touching but somebody's listening and our discussion here today is going to make somebody say, you know what, I'm going to change. I'm going to allow myself to change, you know, because I, I, I say allow ourselves because I think sometimes we try to hold on to who we were in the past and we don't yes. change is scary. Honestly, yes. Vitiligo is a change that's scary that we can't control. But when there's a control change, we, we're afraid to do it, you know, because. Yes. In that change, you can lose friends, yes, because you have to go a different pathway and do something a little differently, or people may look at you and not understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I call it evolution, you know, that's our Absolutely. part of our evolution, you know, and that change is that warfare. We fight that change so much. No, this is who I am. I don't want to be this new person. No, I'm gonna be you know what? If if it's going to help you allow it to happen. There'll be bumps and bruises along the way. Yes, nothing's going to be easy. Change is never easy. But if it's going to help you evolve, allow it to happen and embrace it, you know? Absolutely. And when you embrace it, you notice that the stress and the anxiety isn't nearly as bad as when you try to fight against it. Right, right. Um, even, even for myself, you know, I 
when I do my podcast, when I do my interviews with people, I like to share parts of myself. And those who have been listening for a while, little by little, they're getting pieces of who I am as a person. And to me, that's important. You know, as your host, get to know me also. So I share bits and pieces. But, you know, I was always, I've always liked to write. I, I would write poetry, even in high school and college, but nobody knew because I didn't want to share anything. It was always so personal. Oh, I don't want to share it with anybody. We used to do this thing, this program called Poet at Lover's Night Out, and people would come in. The, the students would read their poetry. I was too afraid to read. Nope, yep. I'm not reading anything because I always felt like I wasn't good enough, you know? And I'm learning, even at the age 50, it's not about being good enough. You are who you are as a person everybody's different, you know, express yourself the way you need to. And now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, shoot, I'm going to put my poetry out there. You know, I'm enjoying my poetry and I've, and I've been, and, and I've shared some things with you and I, where you did. I'm reciting and I'm like, okay, I like the way that sounds. So I'm getting, I'm preparing myself for something bigger where I can step on the stage and actually recite what I have. And, and I can't be afraid of it. You know, because fear stops us from doing a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have like fear doesn't serve me. Fear does not serve me. Um, and I'm tired of being afraid. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's more exhausting to be afraid than it is to live free. It really, really is. It there's so much more stress and wear and tear on the body by trying to fight against the current instead of just flowing with it and just allowing yourself to be who you are. So now I'm that person with vitiligo that if I hear a cool song in the grocery store, I'm going to start dancing in the middle of the aisle yeah. and not care who sees um, because I like that song and because it feels good in my soul to right, dance. Right, absolutely. And, and, and I you hope just that gotta... everybody at some point finds that in themselves to do that. Right. Be human. Be yourself. Have fun. You know, um, and and life is hard. Life is challenging. It's going to throw some curveballs at you. Yeah, you might get hit a few times and then at some point you're going to knock it out the park. Absolutely. You know, and when you do it, you celebrate yourself and let others celebrate with you. And, and that's just how it is. You know, um, even I, I look back at my college years, um, my degrees in mass communications, radio, TV, journalism. However, when I went to college, that field was so hard to get into. But I've always worked in education. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, I have this degree, never used it, you know, for its intended purposes. And then I was gifted the podcast. I never thought about podcasting ever. And Valerie, I know you're listening. I never thought about podcasting. Um, it wasn't something I thought I was good at doing. I didn't like talking to people because it would drain me. But now, and we were doing 30 minutes at first. And now I'm like, oh, we're an hour. But I'm like, oh, I'm still talking. I love it. <laughs> so I found, I found my inner peace with it. Um, and somebody said, I didn't know you were an introvert. Oh, yeah, I am. I would I prefer to do stuff by myself. Um, I don't like a lot of people. I said, but I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy you know, being able to hear their stories and sharing what I need to share for myself and and just interacting and letting people know we all have a story to tell. You know, everybody's story is important. Everybody. Um, is there anything you want to share? Anything additional about 
the modeling and whatnot, any upcoming events or something unique that you've done? You, know, you said the WebMD and that was great and some other things. And yes, it was. Um, so I recently did um, my first shoot truly embracing my spots, like actually making them the focal point. And what we did is we did it, um, we did the painting in full uh, four stages. It was full body paint back and front. Um, and the very first piece of it was that the makeup artist outlined every single one of my spots with black paint. And she's like, do you know how many hearts you actually have that your spots are made of? I learned so much about my body doing that and experiencing that and how many hearts heart shaped right. spots i have um and it was amazing and then the next set was coloring in all of my brown with black paint and then after that we painted my white spots like the galaxy oh wow and it was cathartic and it was therapeutic and it was celebrating my spots it was you know it, my entire time in my 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 childhood i was trying to like dim my light in and make it dull and blend in and like now i'm like no i want to burst out right, i'm the galaxy right. i'm the aurora borealis Absolutely. i'm whatever it is that resonates with you and it celebrated my and then it got me thinking so now i have three i know two other um shoots that are full body paint shoots that are also celebrating my spots and i'm going to start making that a regular thing um because the more that i do it the more empowered i feel and the more empowered i feel the more i feel i can empower others because this didn't just start by me trying to make others feel better and feel good this also has been therapy for me i literally call modeling my therapy and right. people always look at me like I'm funny, but every time on the way to the shoots, I'm stressed and I'm anxious and I'm talking myself out of it. I shouldn't go. This is dumb. This is stupid. Who's going to want to look at me? I'm going to be horrible and that negative self-talk. And then by the time I'm done, I feel like a superwoman right. and, right. you know, I feel invincible and empowered. And the more that I do that, the more I notice that that negative self-talk diminishes not only on the way to the photo shoots, but throughout my day. It's literally reprogramming the way that I'm talking to myself. And in turn, it's programming the way that I'm interacting with others, the way that I'm communicating with other people, because I have more love in myself. And because I love myself more, all that crap doesn't matter. All of the negativity out there doesn't affect me so much because I'm elevated. I've brought myself up and not saying I'm above anyone, but I feel better about myself. I'm more right, elevated right. than I once was. Um, so I, you know, I encourage people in whatever it looks like to them. So if it's wearing shorts for the first time or whether it's going out to a restaurant and eating or whether it's just going through the drive through because you still have to be seen, right, you know, absolutely. whatever it looks like for you, just try to do that one little thing. Just that one little thing. Um, there's so much visibility within our community now. And I'm hoping that as time goes on, there's more and more visibility. So it normalizes it. Right. Um, and anything that I can do to help bring people comfort, empowerment, if they have any questions, 
um, if they want to reach out just for solidarity, um, you know, please reach out to me on Instagram. Um, the handle is the spotted beauty. Absolutely. Hey, hey, you know, you talk about that, the elevation. I'm sitting there laughing because this past weekend I went to a jazz brunch. I said no twice at work. I didn't want to go. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to go. And it was like, no, go. It's a free ticket, blah, blah, blah. There's going to be people there. And yeah, that's the problem. You're going to be people there. <laughs> you know, oh um, it's a jazz brunch and blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay, okay. When I wake up in the morning, I'll decide. So I took the ticket and I woke up. I said, you know what? Get your James Bond on. Go dress up. <laughs> and that's how I yes. have to talk to myself. I said, I'm going to dress up. I'm going to be James Bond walking through that building. And I was probably the youngest person in there. <laughs> But I had such a great time just listening to the music. Um, you know, all the other side conversations I tuned out, I heard the music, I'm listening. And music empowers me a lot. Um, like when I do my podcast, I make my own music. Um, and I listen to it. I don't listen to the radio too much anymore. Just because I'm like, I made this. I know what was the purpose behind it. And then if I put poetry to it, I'm like, Okay, I know what I'm thinking at this time. I know what I'm feeling at this time. Um, I know somebody's going to read this and think this is real. No, it's a made-up story. You know, um, and and it just really, it is empowering when you are finding what's therapeutic for you. You know, like you said, with your modeling, for me, it's writing. Um, now it's writing and putting it to music and listening to it in the car. And, and I'm looking at the person next to me like, yeah, I wrote that. You know, I wrote that. Well, <laughs> that's evolution. You were just right. talking about evolution, right? Absolutely. That's, you're that's evolving. Part of that change, yes, absolutely. And part of what was keeping me from doing any of this is fear. Yes. You know, fear, and and within our community, and we get, we're about to wrap things up soon. But within our community, we have this fear of of the general public, but we have to remember that people just like us. Only difference, they don't have the unique spots that we do. Yes, people are going to whisper, people are going to talk. We can't stop that. But you have to think about what are you going to do to live today? That's what's important. What are you going to do to live? Because you have a choice, you know. Um, and I know sometimes it is hard to do these things on your own, but that's why we have support communities. Like this, we have the North Carolina Vitiligo support community. There's Vit Friends, there's Liddy Ligo, there's So Rare They Stare out of Georgia and all these different places. There's the Global Vitiligo Foundation. So there are many support communities out there and organizations that can help you on your journey, you know. Um, but you just have to reach out and say, I need help. Or can you walk with me on my journey? Or can you help me? Can I just talk to you? You know, yeah. it's simple. Um, and if you can't reach one person, try again. Somebody else may be available to talk to you, you know. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's it. You know, just don't be afraid. You know, reach out, especially if you realize that you need that that little push. Just just a little push, you know, to get us moving. I agree. I agree. Yeah, no. And I, I think that it's important for people like you and I that have started to seek comfort in ourselves to then kind of pay it forward to others that may not have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when they see the pep in your step, it's not arrogance. It's just you're comfortable in who you are, you know? Yes. Um, and people do pay attention to that. Oh, that person seems very confident, regardless of what you look like, you mm -hmm. know, whether you're short, tall, heavy, whatever, people see confidence in you. That they're, they're going to want to know something about you. You know, they're going to want to talk to you. Even mm -hmm. if it's a side conversation you don't want to have, you get that weird, hey, how are you today? 
I didn't come here to talk to people. You know, right. I get like just, that sometimes. Just, yeah. Yeah, people it is hard. It's exhausting. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Well, Melissa, we, I'm definitely going to have you come back because we talked about something else we want to talk about, discuss in the future. I'm not going to give it away until it's time. Um, but mm-hmm. I always honor everybody's time and my time. We've been on for about an hour. So we're going to wrap things up. But before we get to the closing, I want you to leave our listeners with some words of encouragement. I would say to always be mindful of where someone is at in their life. Instead of expecting them to meet you where you're at, work on meeting them where they're at. Because you might find that you're able to elevate one another together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I greatly appreciate that. I thank you for coming on the podcast because it was kind of a quick, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the uh, welcome to the community. Hey, <laughs> come on the podcast. You know, and, and that's how I operate sometimes when I meet people, I get the sense of, hey, I want to talk. I want to know more. Yes. And so I thank you for coming on. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. And remember, as I always say, remember to love somebody, love your friends, love your family, love your loved ones, love your enemies, and most of all, look in that mirror and tell yourself I love you. You've been listening to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. You take care. God bless. Thank you for tuning into Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. Please remember to visit us at www.bitfriends.org. And also you can call us at 844-374-3639. BitFriends podcasts are sponsored by my Vitiligo team. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 